Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of Frameskip, the weekly video game podcast where four, I guess tonight, three guys get together and talk video games for your amusement. I am your co-host for the night, Austin Eller. I'm back from the dead, even though Seth said I was, what'd you say? I was eaten by a shark or something? I don't even remember what you, you said You were in an unfortunate week, but... diving accident. Okay. Well, I'm back. Um, I have risen from the ocean, so um, no no worries on that front. But you heard him. That's Seth Slakehouse. How's it going, Seth? Oh, it's pretty good, dude. It's pretty good. Um, I've been uh, streaming a lot lately, Austin. Yeah. I've I've noticed. How's that been? I uh, well, you know, um, it's been fun. It's been fun. I've been having a blast with it. I uh, streamed Fallout Four for seven hours yesterday and ran into wow. only only three game breaking bugs. So <laughs> I was t- I was telling my buddy, you know, Watson. I was telling him, I was like, wow, you know, like I really enjoy this. This is the best gaming experience I've ever had. This is awesome. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. It makes me so mad. Well, you know, I wasn't really. I think it was last week you guys had a pretty big discussion on Fallout 4 at the start and um, I was listening back to it and I, I think your thoughts kind of echoed mine at the time but I, you know I never played too much of Fallout 3 but I'll say that when, what I played a 4 was okay. Yeah. It, it was just okay. It was it was decent. I think yeah. my, my biggest problem was the base building but. Yeah, um, and um, I will say that at forty hours in, it's it's gotten good enough now that I, I am my my thoughts from last week have expired. That I, I do believe this is a great hmm. game now. Wow. Yeah. So like I think I think last week I was probably uh, five to ten hours. I'm not sure how long I was, but I put a lot of time in these last few days because I've uh, I've been quarantined from Corona. Yeah. How's that? And, been? Uh, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, it, it's it sucks terribly. Um, I haven't left my house hardly at all and i've just been sitting here doing a whole lot of nothing but playing games my back hurts maybe after quarantine is over you can go get a massage yeah dude we'll see (laughs) i I was actually talking my stream about this last night so i I would love to go get a massage like like frequently right because like i get lower back problems yeah but i don't think that there's any way i can do that and not get looked at as a creep i I feel like if it like there's such a stigma around massage parlors that if I go to get a massage frequently, they're going to be like, what's he doing in there? Yeah, I don't know. I think you'd be fine. I think you'd be fine. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't like it. But we have one other person with us. Uh, Elijah's not here tonight, but you know who is here? Coach Kyle Newman. How's it going? Pretty good, man. $35. Is how much I spent on a book to learn Chinese about an hour ago. Okay. All right. How, how are you? When do you get that book? A few days. All right. So $35 is what I spent on two brand new PS4 games. Uh-huh. Um, Horizon, Zero Dawn. Oh. And um, the uh, God of War. Really? Brand new. Yes. Thir- when did you do them. this? Um, weekend before last. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just forgot you should, to say. You should uh, 100% play God of War as soon as possible. Yeah, so they uh, they were dirt cheap at uh, GameStop, and I had a $5 um, just uh, credit to my name, yeah. so I applied it. So, yeah, 35 bucks. 
hmm. brand new. And they were packaged too. You, you know, I, um, I, my thoughts on God of War, I think, are pretty clear at this point. I, I think I've said before, but it is without a doubt my favorite game um, this generation, my favorite exclusive game, at least um, on PS4. Um, it's just a phenomenal game. But I, I have been dying to go back to Horizon because I did not like that game at all when it came out. Oh, really? Um, I think we did, yeah. talk, we did talk about this, didn't we? No, for some reason, and I don't know if it was just because I was coming off of Breath of the Wild and I was used to kind of exploring and oh my God. being able to go wherever I wanted. And Horizon, I feel like by comparison, is much more linear. Um, the thing for me, though, I will say about Horizon is the world is is pretty awesome. And I like the, the whole concept, but um, something about the story wasn't really drawing me in. I don't know, but I, I really want to go back to it now with Horizon 2 coming out. So maybe Coach, you and I can can play through that do a video on it or something at some point but yeah but that's it that's all your that you your 35 dollars. that's how you've been the last week yes but <laughs> but that's not been true i picked up some other games but um like monster hunter world yeah so when i give that a try it better not be anything like what was on the switch man that game was like i'm like are you kidding me this game blows I mean, I, I'm sure if I give it a little bit more time, I would like it, but it was, it was, I don't know. I think you'll like world. I think I'm hoping that all four of us can come together and play that game. I really feel like that is the best co-op game that has ever released. Honestly, like there's just so much you can do in that game together. Andy and I played probably about 150 hours solely co-op of that game together. So, um, it's just an immense amount of content. It's super addicting. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Seth, what have you been playing this week? Well, as I said, uh, I've been playing Fallout. We'll we'll start. I've been playing two games really: Fallout mm-hmm. Four and Fallout Seventy Six on my stream. Oh, those are two. Yeah, two tandem games. So, um, <clears throat> with Fallout Four, I am. 41 hours in and like i said earlier it's it's gotten to the point now where we're at this this far into the game i've, I've really fallen in love with it um it took a long time like i said last week at, at first it was just i was kind of just like man nah, it's fine it's okay um now I've, I've gotten a few mods with the game to make it a little better um for instance i think the hacking in the game is like god awful it's it's absolutely terrible uh, and actually very annoying because, they're, you know, it's almost necessary to hack in Fallout 4. Um, yeah. And like, like the lockpicking is fine. The lockpicking is pulled straight out of Skyrim. Um, but something the, about that lockpicking is so addicting to me. Yeah. And satisfying. It's just yeah. satisfying. Yeah. Um, but the hacking is terrible because you got to click the keyword and it tells you how with the likeness. And it's it's just really not a good system. I don't I don't think it's not fun at all. Um but the, the I think my biggest problem with Fallout was that the world just felt boring in Fallout 4. And the further you go into it, and then the more that happens, the more it feels alive, I think. And the more you get um, attached to the characters. But there is... I, I don't I still don't think it's as good as Fallout 3. But I think it's 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 getting there. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it'll ever get there to Fallout 3 for me but it's it's getting pretty close I'm, I'm really enjoying my time with it um like i said i paid for seven hours straight yesterday i'm having a blast um 
you know, I, I like I, I don't know if I talked about it last week, but I got the the settlements um, mod yeah. for PC that the the settlers build all their own settlements. Yeah. That that started to spiral out of control this week, and um, it started crashing my game. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I basically what I did was I turned I turned like there's a whole bunch of settings to this app, or that yeah, it's pretty much an app, but there's, there's yeah. a whole bunch of settings to the mod that like you you'd mess with and i turned off the setting that has the settlers wait to upgrade things until i'm there so now oh when i'm like when i'm like out exploring the world in like five different settlements they're just constantly working and upgrading on this stuff so like the the size <laughs> the size of these settlements is like spiraling out of control <laughs> and I, and I, was, I was just playing the game and like all of a sudden there's like, there's like notifications that pop up like oh a settler has started expanding their territory or like has worked on their house and it just continuously started flashing on the on the screen <laughs> and i was like what's going on and then all of a sudden my game would crash and i had to restart and the game would crash again and i'm like what the hell is happening um but yeah, it, it, I'm having a blast with it, man. I go to these settlements, and all of a sudden, they're, they're like massive, like like Fallout cities. Now, they're, the one thing I will say is that um, Bethesda need, is, is like it needs to. They, they need to fix their bugs in, in their games, and at this point, I, I it, it's hard for me to support them, knowing that they they refuse to fix their bugs. Uh, so, for instance, last night I was streaming and. I wanted to start the Brotherhood of Steel quest on the stream. So the fir- pretty much the first quest of the Brotherhood of Steel has you um, meet Paladin Dan's at the police station and the ghouls will attack the police station. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to defeat the ghouls and then go talk to Paladin Dan's afterwards. Yeah. Well, Paladin Dan's won't exit combat. Like, like, you know how like oh, God. Fallout 4 has like a combat stage and then has like, yeah. like an at-rest stage? He won't exit his combat stage. So he'll just, anytime you talk to him, he'll be like, oh, they're still hostiles. And <laughs> this is this this is like an extremely common pro- like bug in the game. Like, like super, super common. And when I looked it up last night, it's been in the game since launch. And Bethesda knew, it's, knew it was in the game and actually put their own mod in the creation console at, at launch in the game files in order to fix it, but didn't turn it on. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So they, and they never did either, but there's a mod that you can get in the actual like mod um, marketplace for Bethesda. That's fan created that found it and it will turn it on and fixes the mod. So when I saw that, I was like, this is just out of control. Like these guys just obviously do not care whatsoever about the bugs in their games. Like, 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 how can we just allow them to just continuously get away with this? It was a, it was a lot different back in 2011 and before that when Skyrim came out. Yeah. Right, we hadn't seen these developers make these vibrant, massive open worlds like CD Projekt Red and Gorilla um, that were relatively bug free. I mean, you know, The Witcher had some bugs, but it was it was they generally weren't game breaking. They were they were they were playable. The bug with Ballad and Dan's that I had last night would completely stop me if i if i was on consoles it would completely stop me from continuing the brotherhood of steel storyline because well, I, what I, I i i just don't really understand like i mean obviously i understand why they have this stigma around all the the bugs in their games because it's accurate but i don't understand why they've made no effort to change that they've made no effort to fix them whatsoever there's a yeah. massive uh fallout 4 unofficial patch and there's a massive skyrim unofficial patch made by fans 
that yeah. are, are, are intended to fix all the bugs in the game. And when you, when, when you allow your fans to fix them, I mean, people love these games and Bethesda just refuses to do any sort of like, like they, it's almost like they, they need a whole separate section of their dev team just dedicated to fixing bugs and continuously at updating it with patches and whatnot. Because yeah, the the bug last night that I I, I, I ran into, it is fixable in the game if you have the and the only way you can do it in the game without a mod or the con- a console command is you have to go do another quest in the story. And that that NPC will tell you to go talk to Paladin Dan's. Yeah. And if you talk to him and then ter- tell him no, you you have to tell him no. It will reset Paladin Dan's state, and then you can proceed forward in the quest. It, it'll unglitch him. But That's ridiculous. The, the, the thing was was that I had already done that quest and finished it, so like I couldn't I couldn't go back. So I had to use a console command to, to try and fix it. The console command did not work. I typed it oh, incorrectly, geez. and it wouldn't work. The only, my, my, my only thing was that I finally found this mod that actually fixed it. Um, and it forces Paladin Dance to come out of combat if you're out of combat. So it's like, and, and this mod wasn't made by fans. It was made by Bethesda, but they didn't activate it in the base Fallout 4. So they knew this was a bug. They, they, they knew it ahead of time, and they refused to fix it, which is like extremely frustrating. Uh, I had several other bugs last night that I was when I was playing where like like really um, NPCs that were that were dedicated to a quest they became like it, well they, this will happen one time it became untargetable and unhittable and I, I just I would oh. shoot it and nothing would happen it was just standing there I've had a lot of other mm. bugs um, with my settlers and I, I don't know if this is mod related but as far as I can tell it's not because other people have uh, AI problems with their settlers too. Where they don't go to the right places. I have this one, this one lady named Trash Can Carla, and uh, she's, <laughs> she, she's she's one of your like uh, original settlers for Sanctuary, mm-hmm. and she doesn't move. She just stands. It, it's actually quite creepy. Like she just stands in the middle of the settlement, staring at, mm. out into blank space constantly with her hands down. She looks like a like a mental asylum patient. Um, it's, it's stuff like that, man. I mean, it's it's like. No other company. To me. No other company gets away with this stuff, right? No other company gets away with it. Now, like the, their stories and their worlds are so incredible. Skyrim and Fallout yeah. Four have these really deep, immersive worlds, and the stories and choices that you can make with them are unparalleled in other video games. It, it's not even close. But the, the 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 bugs make it so that it's like it's it's not fun to deal with this kind of stuff. You know, I spent over an hour last night trying to fix this paladin dance bug and i was like i just i just don't understand how they had this this bug fixed and they didn't put it in the game and then then they and by the way fallout 4 has been out for four years and they never put it in the game i mean to me it just doesn't make sense why such a prolific franchise by such a large publisher with a huge budget you know not just fallout but elder scrolls too like yep I just don't understand how, yes, these these worlds are super well-crafted. I get that. And I get that a lot of their development time is going into making these massive worlds. But it doesn't really quite sit well with me that, like you said, four years later, um, this this bug was known day one. And they yep. have done nothing to solve that problem. And I, I, it's not just that either. I mean, it, a few weeks ago, we talked about how 
and I'm assuming this is still the case for you, and I, I haven't tried it recently, but Fallout 3 will not even boot on my computer. Yep, same. Um, I haven't tried it, and... Um, yeah. So and, it's like stuff like that, like one of the most well-known games of all time, and like neither of us can play that game yep. because they didn't and do that, anything that also, that prompt. that's not exclusive to me or you. That is also really, really common. Yeah, I know, I know, because I, I looked into it years ago when I bought it, and I, yep. I couldn't play it. It's It's a major problem. And it's still um, for sale on Steam. You can still buy it yeah. on Steam. And New Vegas has the same problem. These are yeah. games that I, or not New Vegas, I actually really don't like New Vegas that much, but Fallout 3 <laughs> is a game that I love, man. It's, it's it's one of my favorite games from my childhood. And it just won't work. Yeah. And I've, I, I went through all the solutions online, all of them, and I couldn't get any of them to work. And it's like, well, what what do you... What what am I supposed to do here? Because like I, I don't want to return it because I want to play it, and I'm not obviously not going to boot up my Xbox 360. Yeah. But you know, like like come on, guys, you, they they have to do something, right? And then uh, so I also st- but but that being said, I want to say I do. I am mean, having a blast with Fallout 4. I'm probably getting pretty close to the the the, the ending of it, and then I, I'm yeah. I can't wait to jump into the DLC and whatnot. I'm having a good time. Apparently. Though the Fallout 4 DLC is not good, which is surprising to me because the Skyrim and Fallout 3 DLC was so good. Um, but yeah. there's, there's 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 like one good piece of DLC um, in, in Fallout I, I, 4. I might pick it up again at some point because I played it on PS4 when it came out. I kind of want to try it on PC. I feel like it it might be more enjoyable on there with mods. And, and I know you can do some mods on PS4, but... There's a few no. mods that are just absolute must-haves and game changers that make yeah. the game way, way better. I think the, the Sim Settlements thing is is one of them. There's another mod that I got that lowers his gun when he's not firing it. Um, there's a, a, a mod that, like Skyrim, um, the followers don't need ammo, which I really yeah. like because I, I hate keeping track of the followers' ammo. Um, then there's there's another mod that, that allows dog meat to... Um, be in your party with another companion, which was how that game was supposed to be run. Dog mm-hmm. was supposed to always be able to be in your party, even with mm-hmm. another companion. And they, they, the, it's weird because they actually have dialogue options with dog meat, the companions that are in the game. But oh. for some reason, at the last second they pulled dog meat, that, 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 that functionality out. Um, That's interesting. But I am having a blast with it, dude. I'm having a really, really good time. I just wish that the best, like we can't allow them to keep getting away with this. If Starfield, has these bugs we have to make a stand and just be like well, no and and it's it just doesn't again it doesn't make sense to me either too because they spend a massive amount of time developing these games mm-hmm. yeah i mean absolutely it, massive time it is a time. long time they're working on these games i mean if cyberpunk comes out this fall and has glitches like you know fallout 4 does i really don't think people would be as understanding i don't think they would really be like okay it's fine that this game has nah, all these glitches some- when we've waited you know 10 years for that game it just there's something about bethesda that that people just let let this stuff slide yeah. um yeah i agree and i i, I will say this though uh this is the only other game i play this week is fallout yeah. 76 i started playing fallout 76 and i'm having um a lot better time than i thought i was i, I actually I, i've run into only yeah. one bug so far now granted i've only played it for six hours i've been playing it with with uh on stream when i'm not mm-hmm. playing fallout 4 but i played it for six hours i don't know what the game was like you know, when it came out, obviously the game has like a negative stigma for a reason, but I played it for six hours and I only ran into one bug and it was a hilarious bug. It was really <laughs> funny, dude, because, um, I had gotten into combat and an enemy had, had blown me up and killed me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went back and I killed the enemy, but 
when I went to the workbench to mod my weapon, it, it zooms out into third person. Mm-hmm. And when I zoomed out into third person, I realized that I was still on fire. Like the fire, <laughs> the fire animation had not left. It was, I was still like burning to death, it, but it oh, wasn't man. hurting. It wasn't hurting my health, but it was really funny. That's the only bug I've run into. Otherwise the game is actually pretty, quite funny. It actually plays better than Fallout 4 too. It's a more responsive yeah. shooter. Um, and, and I, uh, I haven't run any serious issues with it. The Wastelanders expansion just came out and added NPCs and stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. I don't really have too much of an opinion on it, but I will say that I thought I was going to hate it and I'm actually having quite a bit of fun. Yeah, I've honestly heard somewhat decent things recently. I know Brandon and Craig, um, friends of the show, they were both playing it for quite some time and they both said they were actually having a really good time together playing that game. So um, I might jump into it as well at some point. I would say give but, it a shot because then we could all play it together. You know? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a... a a very fun multiplayer game, that's for sure. The other thing so. I think is really, really cool about it is that, you know, in Fallout 4, you've got your settlements that you can build, but in Fallout 76, you can build a base anywhere. And oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a completely un, unhinged on, on yeah. you know, where you can build your base. And it's really in-depth. It's as in-depth, if not more, than Fallout 4. And it, you can just do it wherever you want. So it's really mm-hmm. neat. What were you going to say, Coach? Um, so I was going to ask, you can co-op... Fallout 76 is, a, is sort of like an MMO. No, like, I meant um, Fallout 4. No, not in Fallout 4, only in Fallout 76. Okay, so Fallout 4 is just single player only. Yes. Okay, but 76, uh, yeah, I know it's like kind of like um, MMO type-ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, but it's really what it is, is just Fallout 4 multiplayer. I mean, the game runs the Fallout 4 code, but in multiplayer. Um, and that's why that game was broken, because... They, I, I watched the history of Fallout seventy six, like 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 of what happened. Mm-hmm. They basically handed the Fallout four code to this inept developer and said, "You have twenty four months to make an online game," and that, that's essentially how that went. Um, so that's why that game was so broken at launch, or why it was so bare bones with no NPCs or anything. But I think they're, I think if I am reading it right, they're pulling it around, like like they're pulling sort of like a. No Man's Sky, Final Fantasy fourteen situation where they're trying to make it better. Because let's be honest, guys, we're not going to get another Fallout game for fifteen years, probably. Oh God, yeah, between Starfield and Elder Scrolls. I yeah, mean, it's going to be a really, really long time. Yeah. So, um, that's that, that's no bueno for me. But that's all I've been playing. Um, all right. Yeah. Now, before I pass the games over to Coach, we're going to get a little segment here from Elijah to talk about The Last of Us Part Two because he's beaten it. So here is Elijah. So over the weekend, I beat The Last of Us Part 2. This is going to be a little spoiler-free thing of my thoughts. The story, this game is one of the most interesting games I've ever played. It is very divisive as to if you like it or don't like it. And the general consensus is you either like it or don't like it. There's not an in-between. And I totally get that. There are some things that the story has done that I can understand if people don't like that it was done. Um, I personally absolutely loved it. There are some things where I'm like, I don't know why this choice was made, but it was more so about like they I feel like they forgot to put something in that kind of added to those choices you know what i mean but overall i think the story is very well handled um 
one big thing I will say is if you don't actually play the game, you are missing out a big part of what makes this game special. And what I mean by that is there are sections of the game that I felt uncomfortable playing. I felt uncomfortable being a part of, felt uncomfortable pressing the buttons. And I think that was very deliberately and wisely done because you get to those points of like, all right, I, I, I want to see more. I want to continue the story. I want to see where this is going. But I don't feel good about what I'm doing. Uh, and I, I think that was so wonderfully and beautifully crafted. It's one of those things where if, if, if you don't actually play it, then you aren't getting that full experience. And that is something it took me a little bit to get into the mindset of. But once it hit me, it made me appreciate it so much more. The gameplay itself is pretty good. It's not like, oh my god, this is amazing. But it's pretty good. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time playing it. Um, very reminiscent of the first game in gameplay. And the I feel like the level design is so much better. Uh, more, Much more beautifully crafted in how you can get into the combat and... This game is... Everything is done for a reason. Everything is put where it is for a reason. Everything is designed for a reason. That is one of the biggest compliments I can give this game. Nothing is done halfway. Nothing is kind of just done like, oh, okay, yeah, this is good, we'll just do this. Everything is done for a reason. Everything is placed, uh, looks the way it does. Everything has a purpose. And it's so incredibly well done. Honestly, this game is the most beautifully crafted game I have ever seen. Um, yeah, I think we've come to expect that from Naughty Dog at this point. And they're mocap studio like their facial capture and their mocap is pretty much known to be like the best in the business and this game doesn't disappoint and it really does add to the emotions that the story brings out that's really all i have to say right now like i'm trying to be as spoiler free as possible i don't i can't imagine trying to review this game with the restrictions that were placed on it but yeah that last of us 2 i highly highly recommend it and uh there will be a video going up soon that will be a very spoiler filled video with uh, my thoughts on the game. Wow, that sounds great, Elijah. I'm really glad that that you played the game, and I hope you gave it great opinions. Wow, neato. Woo-hoo. Really cool. Coach, what about you? I've been playing the same thing you have. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> Coach and I have been playing uh, Dark Souls, except the main character is a little orange bandicoot. Um, we've both been playing Crash Bandicoot 1 on the Insane Trilogy. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but we can kind of tease something that's coming because I don't think we've actually mentioned it on the show. But Coach and I are 
and hopefully we can bring Seth and Elijah in at some point. Seth refused to join on this uh, adventure because he was scared. Um, I, listen, I beat this game two years ago. I'm never playing it again, ever. Wait, you but, beat it two years ago? Yeah. Oh, nice. But moving forward, um, we're going to start doing some more stuff on the YouTube channel for Frame Skip. And one of the first big projects we're going to start doing is, at least for right now, Coach and I are going to start playing through some games um, together at the same time and kind of coming together to review, kind of do a discussion on them after we beat them. Um, and mostly, I think we're going to focus on series. So the first series we chose is Crash Bandicoot. Um, and I'm not really going to give timelines on when those videos are happening because I don't want to like say it's next week or something and then it's four months from now. But um, they're coming. But we've been playing through Crash Bandicoot 1 on the Insane Trilogy. And um, let me just say... I, I love Crash Bandicoot. I've been playing them since I was a kid. I played all three when I was like five years old, five or six years old. Um, Crash Bandicoot 1 is, is is infuriatingly hard at in the latter half of that game. Oh my God, it's so hard. Like so hard that I, I honestly am like excited to just move on. Yep. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I really enjoyed the first half. Um, I, I have played through the, the remake of the first game. I did not play through the remake of two and three, um, prior to this, but I did play it a few years ago when it came out and I enjoyed it, but going back to it, I'm like, man, there is some level design in this game that is just straight up bad. Um, and I know coach isn't quite there yet, but I'm, I'm curious to see how frustrated he gets when he gets well, to when the, you're... the third island. <laughs> <laughs> We're both playing it on the PS4. So, do you use the thumbstick or are you using the the uh, the D-pad? So it depends. It depends. When I'm doing one of the side scroller type levels, always D-pad. Always D-pad. When I'm doing one of the ones that's kind of like uh, more third person, where like you're facing crashes back, right? Um, I kind of do a mix of the two because um, sometimes it requires like a little more precision. Yeah, I, I've been playing mostly with the D-pad. Yeah. And uh, I mean, <clears throat> I've hit a couple levels that you have to you have to memorize and then getting all the boxes, it gets a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. And and we'll go more into it in our video. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting close to, I'm about, I'm on my fourth level, mm -hmm. third or fourth level in the second island. So, and I know there's three islands. And you know, it's funny when I'm playing this, I'm comparing it to Tropical Freeze. Tropical mm -hmm. Freeze was difficult, but it was fair. Yeah. And that's where I feel like this game falters. Okay. For me, at least. <laughs> and, and you can craft your own opinion later on. But what I will tell you, and I don't know how many people actually know this, but the remakes are well known as harder than the original games really yeah um because the the, yes they use a new hitbox system that is way more precise so it really like for you to hit a platform like crash needs to be right on it whereas in the old game like there was a little bit of wiggle room like you know how in old games you'll like the the very tips of your toes will be on a yes. platform but you can still stand on it Right. That, that's not a thing in, in this game and these remakes. So it, it actually makes it way, 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 way harder. Well, it's it's not even that they're smaller. It's that they're rounded. 
So if you notice, oh yeah, you're right, you're right. When, when you hit the edge, you'll slide off slowly. I forgot about that stop. too. Yeah, yeah. So like that's why whenever you get to the road to nowhere and high road levels, um, you literally have to be like dead on because there's some platforms that are like. I don't know what measurement they use in Crash Bandicoot world, but they're literally like an inch. Like you have super, super small. You have like no room. Like you have to hit them dead on. And if you don't, like you're just going to slide off. Like Seth said, I forgot that was the case. I forgot they were rounded. But yeah, that's that's 100% how it works. I will and never you know, it's forget. Funny, I noticed that <laughs> I died one time because the turtle, I jumped on its head. Oh, you better get ready for some turtles, dude. You better get ready for some turtles. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you better, buddy. You're in for a treat. You are in for a treat. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I still love that game. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't really know how I'm going to feel how it is compared to two and three once we get to those games in the series. Right. We'll see. I'm, I'm curious. But so just be on the lookout for those videos. Um and, and basically, it's like a what we're doing is like a developer diaries type thing. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna like focus on, but we're not gonna do like all of Naughty Dog's games. We'll we'll like jump around, you yep. know, uh, because we're thinking about um, Resistance series from uh, Insomniac, yep. and then uh, just kind of bouncing around. And I was gonna tell you, we should also do Final Fantasy uh, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's basically we're just pulling out our uh, backlog of games and we're just going to make videos on. Yep. And um, we've got a lot on the horizon. Like I said, hopefully Seth and Elijah can join us um, for some games, too. Uh, what I will say is that if anyone wants to start playing Crash Bandicoot that's listening and send in your comments, maybe we'll include it in the video. Kind of do like a oh, book, definitely. Club, book yeah. club kind of thing. So if that's of interest to anyone, but we'll, we'll clarify that more probably as we get further into these videos and um, kind of set up that schedule. So, um, but speaking of sending things in, uh, I guess, cause I forgot to do this at the start, but we're going to start plugging where you can send questions at the start because that makes more sense to me, I think. So um, if you ever want to write in anything to Frameskip, you can send us an email at frameskippodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at FrameskipPod. We'll answer them later in the show. Or potentially, if you have like a news topic you want us to talk about, we'll make it part of the news. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so Crash, all I've been playing as well. But speaking of Crash, I guess I'll lead with my topic because it's Crash Bandicoot 4, which was announced. And that's actually kind of why we're playing through Crash. We originally were going to start with resistance one through three and we switched over to crash because crash four was announced. Um, but I obviously was not on last week. Uh, you guys did not talk about crash four, so I still did want to talk about it. I know it's kind of old news at this point, but, um, crash bandicoot four was announced. It's made by, um, the guys that did skylanders and, um, the Spyro, uh, remakes. They are called Toys for Bob. Very excited to see where that goes, though. I'm I'm really, obviously, a huge fan of Crash. Um, I did want to throw in a couple current pieces of news, though. One was that they confirmed the game will not have microtransactions. There was something going around this week saying that the game potentially did, which to me didn't really make sense because it's a single-player game. <laughs> but um, they confirmed it would not. Toys for Bob came out today and said no microtransactions. So thank God on that front. Uh, but they did also say that Crash 4 
will have over 100 levels which is actually that's insane that's yeah huge. that's like an insane amount of levels because crash bandicoot 3 warped only had 32 levels so um almost 70 more levels than the the last uh, i guess main mainline crash game had do you think that's too much i don't know i i've been going back and forth on that you know i'm curious how long they are um and like i said i kind of want to get to crash two and three to kind of remember how those games are but at least with crash one some of these levels like i i'll be playing them for like 10 or 15 minutes um so i'm kind of curious if they're like really short or or what the deal is but i feel like 100 levels i'm, I'm like really curious to see how they pull that off um because i do think it could be too long i think you know between maybe six or seven, six six to eight hours, I'd say, is like a, a decent length for a platformer like this. I don't know that I really want like a 20-hour long Crash Bandicoot game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious. But Coach, what do you what do you think about Crash 4 in general? I really like the art style, by the way. And they kind of changed it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. It looks good. Um, I hope that we get a demo. You know, somehow we get a demo, but I doubt it. But, yeah. but you never know. It'd be nice to get a demo. And I would assume it's going to play similar to what we're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be, and it's going to look about the same. Um, what are you going to get it? What, what system are you going to get it for? I'll get it on PS4. I think um, I haven't brought this up before. And actually, this is maybe a topic of its own, but I don't know if this is something with my head, but I honestly cannot play Crash Bandicoot or Spyro on anything that's not a PlayStation system. There's something about playing those games on, I guess because they were on PS1, I don't know, but I like, can't play those games on Xbox or Switch. There's something that feels like wrong about doing that to me. Well, it's, like playing nin- <laughs> it's like playing Ninja Gaiden on PlayStation. It, does, it yeah, doesn't feel right. It's, it's wrong. It, just doesn't, it feels weird to me. Um, there's something weird about it. Or like Metal Gear Solid on Xbox or Kingdom Hearts on Xbox. Like, I don't know. That just that's that's like weird. I, I it's like I, I don't like it. I really don't like it. So um I'll be getting it on PS4 and um yeah, I'm 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 excited to see how it turns out. I think I I was pretty shocked that it actually is a straight up Crash Bandicoot 4 and not like a new kind of side game or new kind of reboot of the series or something. Um but nope, it actually picks up right after Crash Bandicoot 3. Did you play any of the other games outside of Naughty Dogs? The only... So I played a couple. I played Crash Bandicoot uh, Wrath of Cortex, which was actually, funny enough, in Japan called Crash Bandicoot 4. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm curious to see what this game is going to be named in Japan. Um, But I did play that one. It's, It's pretty similar to Crash 1 through 3. It's... It's kind of picking up with the same formula, but there were a lot of bugs and stuff, if I remember right. And, it, and the story was kind of odd. Um, I'd say it was a decent game, if I remember right. I mean, it's been years and years since I played that game. And then I actually played, they did, which I, I don't know if they still hold up, but I remember enjoying them when I was a kid. They did two Game Boy Advance games. There was one where it was Spyro and he went into like Crash Bandicoot's world. And then there was another one where it was Crash and he went into Spyro's world. So it was like swapping them. 
It was really interesting. There were like some side scrolling games, if I remember right. I don't remember um, that. They were they were good from what I remember, but I don't know. I was like ten at the time, so <laughs> did <clears throat> did Crash ever make it into the um oh what's the game that Spyro was in that you could have the MP the Oh Skylanders? Yeah, Skylanders yeah. did cr- yeah. he did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they actually had and I always wanted to buy it just to have a figure of him, but they had a figure of Crash and uh uh Neo Cortex, the the bad guy. So um yeah, he he was in, in Skylanders actually. I forgot about that. When you would walk into Toy Toys R Us, that's mm-hmm. all you would see is Skylanders. Yep. Right when you walked in. Um, so they made their money then, I think I, I, it'd be interesting to see how much they made off that. And then, uh, Disney had theirs. What was Disney that? Infinity. Disney infinity. And then when they finally included the star Wars stuff, that was pretty awesome. And then I mean, it was just boring, like but... every other trend in gaming, they overdid it. They got greedy and then it failed. Yeah. yeah they killed it. But I was just happy. The reason why I got it was just to play Ahsoka. Yeah, it, the, it was fun. I, yeah, I never fun. played them. I never played either Skylanders or Disney yeah. Infinity, but I the will Star say Wars it's interesting. Cool. Yeah, I always wanted to pick them up. There were a ton of really cool looking figures, but I was going to say it's it's interesting kind of thinking back on that time. I was just talking to Brandon about this the other day, but about, you know, I'm sure we all remember, but when Amiibos first came out and, all, you know, 90% of them were worth like 50 plus dollars, it was like, it's just crazy that that was a world we lived in at one Nintendo, point. Was like, Nintendo wasn't producing enough of them. And yeah. it was like really annoying because scalpers were yeah. getting them immediately. Oh, and, God, yeah. yeah. But you now, had people at four in the morning waiting in line at Target and yeah. like getting their hopes and dreams crushed. You know, and it was just a frustrating because during that time I was in uh, Kuwait. So I was watching this whole thing yeah. from afar and uh just it was it was wild it was like the cabbage patch kids back in the um 80s you know like people were like going crazy over those yeah it's it's just interesting to see how far that's kind of turned around because i i would say the most recent example would be um what was the the flight game coach that ubisoft made the one with uh, the r-wing figure uh you know what i'm talking about is it starlink starlink yeah that came out and it like bombed like completely bombed and uh i actually just bought the starlink uh with with the Star Fox r-wing for five dollars like a few months ago that that r-wing looks amazing though yeah but it's just it's crazy because it's like super well made and you're right it does look amazing but it's crazy that you know five years ago we had twelve dollar figures selling for a hundred dollars and now you know, a full-on game and and really cool figure um, is selling for pretty much nothing. So, but Nintendo liked that because yeah, you know, they enjoyed the fact that people were going crazy over this stuff, even though, yeah. um, you know, people were mass hoarding them and selling them on eBay. You yeah. know, they would show pictures of everything that they got. You know, they'd have like twenty of something. You know. And uh, it was just ridiculous. So, and you remember they blamed part of it on. It's like a strike or something. Yeah. Wasn't it? At the yeah. Port. yeah. Yeah. I'm like, come on. I man. remember that. Oh my God. 
<laughs> and you know what's funny is they never came out with a game specifically for the Amiibos, you know? Yeah, I mean, they had Smash, but I really don't feel like they really do much in Smash. Like, I don't... I mean, there you can, like, fight against them or whatever, but I don't really feel like they're worth buying just for Smash. They had something else planned that never came out. I guarantee it. There was something else there for them. For me now, like, I still buy ones that I really like. Um, Like, I just obviously bought the Snake one when that came out, and I'm absolutely going to get the Joker one when that comes out. But I've actually gotten to the point where I don't open them because I never... I never use them for anything. Like there's no game that I play that uses Amiibo. So um, anyway, off topic, but speaking of Nintendo. Oh, and, good Lord. And some trouble. Coach, what uh, do you got for us? Okay. So I'm pulling this off of Kotaku and it's by Brian Ashcraft. Okay. So Nintendo finally apologizes for the Joy-Con trouble. And they did it during a recent financial Q&A, right? So it's not like they – I don't think they came out to us. It seems like they got asked about it and then they apologized. You know what I mean? Like if they didn't get asked about it, they wouldn't have said anything. They probably just found out about it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So Nintendo finally apologized for issues caused by Joy-Cons but will not comment further due – to the current class action lawsuit. Players have been dealing with what's called the Joy-Con drift. Now, have you guys had any issues with the Joy-Con drift? Um, I want to say I had a few with my old Switch, but now that I have the Animal Crossing Switch, I haven't had any. I did have issues but when I first got my Switch, but the patch resolved them. Mm. That, Interesting. There was, there was a patch that came out from yeah. that, that, that resolved that issue for me, so I don't know. Because yeah. I noticed lately when I was playing using just the like the Joy-Con controller, you know, that adapter thing, the left thumbstick, it wouldn't it wouldn't function properly. So I don't know if that's it or not. But anyways, okay, so going on. Um, last year a class action lawsuit was filed with Nintendo, uh, accused of not disclosing the defective Joy-Con controls. Nintendo was asked about this during this month's financial meeting. And this is what was quoted. Regarding the Joy-Con, we apologize for any trouble caused to our customers, said Nintendo president Shuntaro Fukawa. We are continuing to aim to improve our products, but as the Joy-Con is the subject of a class action lawsuit in the U.S. and still is a pending issue, we would like it we would like to refrain from responding about any specific actions. So I don't understand why they're apologizing now. Like it's not doing anything, right? No. And it's years later. Right. This has been going on since the switch launched in March of 2017. I mean, this is like, long overdue and one an apology doesn't really do anything i i would hope that they've been kind of trying to fix the problems on any new switches that they've produced but i don't know i don't really know if that's something they've done right so he continues on at nintendo we take great pride in creating quality products and we are continuously making improvements to them we are aware of recent reports 
that, you know, that's, that's a funny word that he says. We are aware of recent reports that some Joy-Con controllers are not responding correctly. We want our consumers to have fun with Nintendo Switch. And if anything falls short of this goal, we always encourage them to visit the support.nintendo.com so we can help. But it's just interesting that recently, you know? Yeah. Well, because I'm curious if, you know, those people that have Switches that they bought in the first year, like, is this something where over time more of those older Switches are going to start seeing this more? Or is this something where, you know, if you didn't, you, you didn't see it right away, like it's never going to happen. Like, is, is it something that deteriorates or is it something that's just built into the hardware? I'm really um, kind of curious to know, because honestly, if it's the former, I'm, I'm like kind of, kind of nervous for like a ton of people to start having some problems like this moving forward. Well, when the, the, when the lawsuit was announced, didn't, Nintendo have a knee-jerk reaction and start and say, hey, send us the Joy-Con controllers and yeah. we'll fix it. Yeah. And it sucks that it took a lawsuit to do that. You know? Well, like, yeah, I mean, there's there were so many people reporting about it. And I'll never forget, too, like people at IGN had gotten the Switch early and, and they were saying that they were already having issues with it, like before anyone else had had the Switch. Like this was, I mean, this is just... It's crazy that it's been going on this long and it's still going on this long. And and like you said, it seems like they weren't really going to acknowledge it prior to the lawsuit. And it was funny. I forgot where. Maybe it was on Twitter. I don't know if it was on YouTube, but there was a video of a, you know, the store, um, the store copy of a switch that had um, the Joy-Con drift. So even the store copy you know, that you could go in and demo yeah. and stuff like that yeah. had that. So um, I don't know. It just kind of sucks because, I mean, Nintendo does make good quality, um, you know, not just their consoles, but everything about yeah. them. You know, they do. I will say, though, I, I was telling you this earlier, but my uh, my Switch Pro controller, which I've had since day one, I've been having, like, major problems with that thing. Um, it literally... I know those controllers are supposed to last for 40 hours of game time, but mine literally lasts for like five, like four or five. See, like I, it's, I it's went, I went the power a route and I've had no problems. I love that controller, the power a controller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the, the switch pro controller. Honestly, I think is my favorite controller of all time. It is extraordinarily comfortable, but it is at least mine is certainly not functioning properly. So. Well, I know that the, um, the, the button on the bottom left that uh, not the minus, but the one that's on the bottom, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the screenshot button. Yes. Yeah. That, that sticks on my mm. original pro controller. So I have two, I have the uh, Xeno. No, I have the um, Splatoon one. Okay. So that is the only issue I'm having with my original pro controller, but yeah, that pro controller, man, that they, they put some uh, R and D in that thing and it's an exceptional controller. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I could use it on everything, but I will say I, I, uh, would have liked if they had included analog triggers. Um, not a big fan of the whole, just press down. Cause at least on, you know, Xbox or PlayStation, like I think the, the best example I can think of is if you have a racing game, you can kind of slightly press in the R2 and 
accelerate just a little bit. Whereas on Switch, it's either on or off. There's no like gradient. So, um, and well, the original um, on the GameCube controller, yeah, they were. Yeah, the the GameCube controller did have that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So, Seth, why don't you finish us off here with our next gen? lower end xbox news um all right so we've been known that <coughs> we've been known yeah we've known that xbox has planned uh different versions of the series for uh quite some time but a um leaked microsoft document posted on twitter uh has uh shown a little bit more about what this is going to be this is from the verge from Tom Warren. Project Scarlet was the name Microsoft originally used to reveal Xbox Series X console before it was originally named. Uh, rumors had suggested that two next-gen consoles under the broader Project Scarlet plans, Anaconda and Lockhart. Microsoft has etched an Anaconda snake into the Xbox Series X motherboard, but the company has never really publicly discussed its Lockhart plans. Uh, the document mentions that mentions a Lockhart profiling mode. Sources familiar with Microsoft tell the Verge that the special Lockhart mode is part of the Microsoft X uh, developer kit. The dev kit, codenamed Dante, allows game developers to enable a special Lockhart mode that has a profile of the performance that Microsoft wants to hit with the second console. Um, we understand it includes 7.5 gigabytes of usable RAM, a slightly underclocked CPU speed, and around 4 teraflops of GPU performance, um, which is about a third of what the series X has. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's so basically what we got here with the Lockhart is just a, um, much weaker console. Um, Microsoft has acknowledged Lockhart. But the codename can also be found in the company's Xbox one operating system alongside references to Anaconda and Dante. So I, what, what do you guys think of this? I think this is uh, an interesting move. It sounds like they're trying to go the uh, cell phone route with this and release a cheaper option for people who want to get into the ecosystem. I think it's interesting. I I will say, though, I don't think this works unless it's, I don't know, $300 or less. Like yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like if it's still, you know, hypothetically, I'm just going to say the Series X is $500. If this thing is $400, I don't, I don't feel like anyone's going to buy this. I, I, I mean, it needs to be like a massive price difference because especially if it's as weak as it's kind of made out to be um you know i i i think it's an interesting move and i'm curious to see how it works out um but again i just maybe it's hard for me to kind of think about this since i'm you know we're all way deep into this kind of gaming ecosystem at this point like i feel like if we bought anything it would not be this yeah yeah, I'm I'm not interested. I have a couple I have a couple thoughts on this. My my first one is um why not just keep using the Xbox One X instead of making a secondary console um that is actually from what I understand you guys said it's actually weaker than the One X. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's weaker. I think that See, I don't know the whole technology of the whole teraflops. But I read it. I read an article about a month ago, and it was talking about this exact same thing. Where because I had to read it twice because I'm like, wait, so the One X has more teraflops than the lower version of the Series X, and then they tied it into the are they 
they explained in the article that just because it has less teraflops, the processing power or something like that was going to be faster than the one X. I don't know. There was, there was a give and take or something like that. So, um, but I'll let you continue on with your thoughts. Uh, no, it just seems like, it seems a little, it seems a little redundant, um, to release the Xbox one X a few years ago, then also release the series X, uh, this year, and then also release, uh, an in-between version of that, and the Xbox One X was already an in-between version of the Xbox One and the Series X, but now we've got like 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 a double in-between step between them, and yeah. it, it, it's it's getting a little redundant. I think there's too many versions of the Xbox that are coming out. But my also my, my, my also my other thought that might even be um, more relevant is is this going to impact the development of Microsoft games? Because um, obviously. I'm sure Microsoft is going to have some sort of across the board mandate that is going to require your game to work on both consoles and are developers going to have to hold back the, the game fidelity to make it work on um, this new Lockhart console Yeah, or are they going to have to create a whole separate game for it? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like we we don't really don't know much about it other than it's going to be weaker than the Series X, but it doesn't seem, um, it doesn't seem like that would be something that as a developer that I would want to do. You know, like yeah. I, you know, um, if if you're making new games for the next gen, you want to try and get as much of this tech out as possible. And we know um, from other cycles that it usually takes about two or three years for them to really start getting used to the hardware. Um, these these games that have been in development since the, since the actual console launched come out about halfway through the life cycle. They looked really good, and, and, and they start taking full advantage of the hardware. And it seems like that's going to be more of a pain. Because, um, I don't know, man, I, I look, with the PS4 Pro, I feel like the PS4 Pro was never fully taken advantage of. No, um, agreed. I got my PS4 Pro and never noticed a single difference between that and the regular PS4. But... Going on that thought, Seth, didn't um, PSVR perform a lot better on it? I don't know. I've never had PSVR. Yeah, oh. from my understanding, supposedly that's really the only like major difference. I mean, I there were a few games that I saw differences in. Um, Monster Hunter is like one of the few ones that I did because actually on the base PS4, Monster Hunter has like a ton of frame rate problems and it's pretty steady on PS4 Pro. But that's honestly the only one I've really seen and and. You know, there are these games that run at 1440p, but it's not like a crazy difference. It's not, I wouldn't really say it's enough for the pro to be worth it, it right? in my opinion. Right. So what do you guys think about this Lockhart console? Um, I think it's interesting because the specs don't align right. You know, I mean, it for if anyone's doing research, they're going to see the whole, this, this whole new thing about teraflops that, well, I could just buy a one X, right? Um, and then a lot of it, maybe the the their monster that they're going to be selling is expensive. Yeah, you know, and so this is a better option. Maybe this is for people that buy the PS Five and want it to be able to game on Xbox, so they pick up the the cheaper version as well. You know, but in the long run, though, like when we get three or four years into this new generation and games are what are, is Microsoft going to tell 
you know, their, their companies, Hey, you have to be able to run your games on both systems, you know? So that's my thing. Like, kind of like what was Seth was saying, you know, like, I, I don't understand it. I mean, like I knew that there was going to be a, 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 a version that's not as, as speedy as the, their main one, but it's going to be the same level as the one X. So I don't know. I really, honestly, economically, I don't really see how this is going to work. I, I really don't know that this thing is going to sell. Um, and like Seth said, I mean the whole, and you, I mean, you guys both said, but the whole, like being able to run a game on both systems, um, I just, I don't know. Something about that feels like that's going to be problematic down the road. Um, I agree. And even right now, I mean, they're already saying that Halo Infinite is 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 a Xbox One. Like, it can run on the very, very old original Xbox One and the Series X. Like, I'm curious. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it, it runs on the original. And I'm curious, like, I mean, does that mean the Series X version is going to be, like, kind of held back a little bit like are we really not going to see that big of a difference because they're trying to make sure this game runs on like you know seven-year-old hardware um, yeah it, se- it seems like we're we're having two clashing philosophies um, yeah. with the game companies where microsoft's working for an ecosystem and sony's working for here's the newest and best thing yeah and i think i think sony is probably going to win that battle honestly I think because so I, I, th- I think people yeah. get excited when it comes to games to see that the newest and best fidelity games and and the new technology whereas with with microsoft they're not really making a good case for why i need to buy a series x well you know what's funny is remember after the gamecube nintendo kind of exited the whole um hey we're going to compete with microsoft and sony when the wii came out it was a totally different system and they weren't competing with them even though they sold like over 100 million it it was two different game spaces now. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't in the discussion anymore. No, and even with the Switch, they're not in that because they're targeting, you know, the handheld. And I mean, it's beautiful what they're doing. But now for this generation, Microsoft is starting to take that left route that my, uh, Nintendo did because now they're not focusing so much on the hardware. The hardware. You know, they're making sure their games can be played on PC and now their games are going to be able to be on the Xbox One X and the Series X. So it's kind of interesting to see the philosophy that Microsoft is taking the um, the Xbox in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I was going to say is either way, no matter how this turns out, I think we're clearly coming to kind of a breaking point for for all three. I mean, Nintendo, like you said, is already off doing their own thing. But now we're seeing drastically different approaches from Sony and Microsoft. I think this is the first time that we've really seen a split like this, um, you know, in who who knows how long, I guess, maybe since like Sega. With the I mean, well, the multi-plats are still going to come to, you know, Sony and Xbox. But oh, yeah. I think, I think what we're going to see is just a vastly different type of ecosystem. I think yeah. Microsoft got the, so much goodwill from their backwards compatibility move with the Xbox One and they're like, well, let's not let's not let this go. Let, let's, you know, run with this this idea. And I think they're they're pushing it a little too far. Like I don't I don't want to play an Xbox One from 2013 to play Halo Infinite, right? Like like it's okay. You you guys can make console exclusives for the yeah. Series X. Just 
make the games as good as they possibly can be, and the gamers will follow. That's what Sony's philosophy was in 2013, and that's why they beat Microsoft in 2013. Um, well, remember, Microsoft's philosophy in 2013 was TV, TV. right? TV, <laughs> right? TV, and that's and that's what that's what Sony's philosophy was in 2006 when they released the PS3. They went, yep. they they called it an entertainment console, not a gaming console. Yep. But in 2013. Um, they hammer down on the actual games aspect and here's the newest and best games. And I, I think by Microsoft going with this, um, fit, like the like ecosystem approach, like, like Austin said, Halo Infinite can run on the OG Xbox one. That makes me wonder like, like, well, why can it run on that? The Xbox one, you know, is it, is it because it's being held back to be able to run on all four consoles? Yeah. Or is it there's is there some sort of uh, other computing aspect that I don't understand? But my my gut reaction is okay. Well, they're 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 holding these games back as, as far as power goes in order to run on old consoles. Because I'll tell you what, guys, you know I'm I'm playing Fallout Four right now on my PC. You know, like like I said at the beginning of the podcast, and you can definitely tell that this game is from 2016. You, the textures do not look good. You know, like like even though it's upscaled to 1440p on my monitor. When I look around, I'm like, oh, like, you know, th- these environments look kind of ugly. It doesn't matter that, like, I'm upscaling it. So, and, and you know, you, you can't really go the opposite direction. So, I don't know. I, I yeah, I really just don't foresee how this is going to turn out. And I mean, I'll say the same thing, too, on a different level, because obviously they're taking it a different way. But with the PS5 digital edition, I mean, I don't see that thing doing well at all. Um, I really do not see that many people buying the 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 PS5 digital edition. So I'm I'm curious how both of these systems kind of turn out in the long run. I think the the more casual fans would buy that, you know, like yeah. people that want to come home after a day's work and you know they don't go to IG and they don't go to other places. They just want that where they could just download one game and just play it. You know, because there's people like that, you know, yeah. um, and uh, and so I bought into the One X, right? I really yeah. like when I got back from uh, Saudi Arabia, it was out there. I'm like, you know what? Let me do it and just hope that when the new system comes out that some of the games will be able to be played on it, you know, because it was such a jump, a big jump from the original Xbox you know? And so when I play Halo Infinite this year, I'll play it on my One X, you know? And eventually if they, because I don't know how well Microsoft um, ports their games to PCs. I don't know. It's a little iffy. (laughs) Okay. See, and that's the thing. Yeah. So, and that's another thing, even though they say that their games can be run on PC. um, If, if I know that they are, done well then i would just get a an rtx card or something like that you know that will be able to run those games easily and just play the the gears and the halo games on that you know um and then just play everything else on the ps5 whenever i do get a ps5 yeah so it's it's interesting i yeah i'm i agree i think it's it's just interesting with with those games coming to PC and Xbox, and then we have Sony that's kind of trying to make the PS5 like a an independent console. It has no connection to PS4 or PC, obviously. It's like, 
it's just very fascinating to see this kind of happening in real time. But I just wanted to say before we before we wrap up the show, I think what I am most nervous about moving into these systems is the price. Um, because I think I've heard um, who it, it was somebody from Sony recently, like some head guy at Sony said something about that. It was more about uh, what was it like more about value than the yeah, price or something this. like that. I saw mm-hmm. this, yeah. Which is like to me that immediately fires in my head of oh god, this thing's going to be six hundred dollars. I think it could be higher. I think it could be eight hundred. Yeah, and and you know what? Like this day and age, right now, okay, that's okay. You know, because we're not back. It's it's not back like the PS one, PS two, PS three, right? I mean, like things are different now. the The expectations of games have dramatically gone up the bar has been set right yeah and i i get that but i will say i mean if it's 600 plus dollars i really don't see myself buying any of these systems like i would rather just build a pc at that point yeah Yeah. that makes sense but and 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 here this is the thing if you let's take a look at sony right now why was the PS4 so successful? Because it was a gaming device, right? They went old school. They went PS1, PS2, where it was like just solid gaming device, where, you know, Microsoft wanted to have all this other type of, you know, yeah. foo-foo things on it. So thank goodness Sony got it right with the PS4, you know? Like, you remember how how many times on the uh, R&M did we talk about how, there's no exclusives, but <laughs> God damn it, this the system is selling hot, you know? Well, that's what was crazy about it. And yeah. I will say too, just because I know it's easy to forget, but the PS4 when it came out was a hundred dollars cheaper than the Xbox One. Yep. The Xbox One was five hundred dollars, the PS4 was four hundred. I mean the because PS4 it still had the motion tracker thing. Yeah. What was that thing called? Um, yes, the Connect. I mean, the, the PlayStation just came out of the gate swinging in 2013. Like they, yep. they they were they were not playing around anymore. They did not want to lose in their generation, so they came out of the gate and they were like, "Yeah, here's everything you guys really want. Here's the games. Here's the price. Here's the uh, shareable games. You know, like like, like the whatever it's called the the uh, used game thing. Because wasn't Microsoft oh, yeah. trying to do like some? Yeah, they were trying to do DRM. Yeah, yes. yeah, that was it. Um, this thing doesn't track you, doesn't listen to you. You don't have to be connected <laughs> to the internet. Like that PlayStation in 2013, that, that press conference was absolutely incredible at E3. Like I'll never forget that. So well, didn't they like make a mock? Didn't they mock uh Microsoft? Yeah, um, on the stage. Yeah, or was on, it on the stage, stage, dude. How to share your games. Yeah. And just... <laughs> it was amazing. It was so good. That was was savage. That right there is the definition of savage. Yeah, man. They were not playing around. They they Uh, came right out of the gate. It was awesome. Yeah. So either way, I think this this fall is going to be interesting and this this next generation is going to be interesting. Um, It's just, it's a new world we're in, boys, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, again, Sony's going to, destroy microsoft i just don't see microsoft having the games uh see i don't know about that i don't know i don't know because microsoft has bought a lot of studios and i think microsoft understands at this point hopefully they understand you know we've been every year that that's come around we say this is microsoft's year this is microsoft's year and it's getting a little redundant at first uh, but they really haven't put out games in a long time 
you know, the, the exclusives have not been there for Microsoft this generation. And I have a feeling coming into this now, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but it is big news that, uh, uh, Fable and what was the yeah. one? Perfect Dark. Perfect they, Dark. Yeah, Perfect Dark. They, they they also got like placeholder accounts on Twitter. Um, but yeah. didn't some come out and say that that's not happening though? I know we know Fable Four is in development. The some guy from Xbox came out and there and he was like, "Yeah, those accounts haven't been active for years." But literally, the accounts it shows they were made like two months ago. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like, okay, well, that's immediate BS. Thanks for that statement. Yeah. <laughs> but we do know that Fable 4 is in development. It was confirmed. Yeah. So, yeah, but right now, I mean, like, Sony has all this momentum. Yeah. They do. I mean, like, yeah. all of these games in the next four years, the, the but, AAA games, there's always going to be good lower level games. Like, there's going to be amazing indie games and stuff like that. But that triple A title game that sells your system. Gears didn't do that for Gears and Halo didn't really do that. Anyways, um, we have one final comment here. Uh, one final question from George Loftus. He sent us a question on Twitter. And funny enough, George is going to be on the show next week. So look forward to that. Um, good friend of the show. But he says, with Pokemon Unite showing us any genre franchise combo is on the table. What would you want to see Star Wars mixed with? I asked because the presentation of classes slash sim aspects in the Squadrons trailer, I got major Rainbow Six Siege vibes. Just me? Question mark. Hmm. I think I, I want to alter with a with a other question. Has there been a genre that Star Wars has not been with? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I guess we haven't seen a Star Wars MOBA, but we've seen Star Wars in pretty much every other aspect. Um, has yeah. there been a squad based shooter? I mean, there was no. a Battlefront, right? I, I mean, is that not considered well, squad base? But there hasn't been like like a, I don't know, like a Halo kind of like, I feel like there was Republic Commando, but was it four player? Was that a thing? I don't, I've never played it online. Okay. Yeah. I feel it like that would be interesting. I, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I, like, really all I want is Star Wars in RPG format, personally. You know, yeah. like, like I think that, that those are the best Star Wars games are the RPG style games from Star Wars um, and the action games. I really don't I, I don't want to see Star Wars branch out into these other game genres because I don't think it ever works right. Um, you know, we've gotten the Star Wars fighting games. We've gotten the movie games. Terrace Kasi. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, those disaster. were just bad. Those were just bad. Games, I bought too. that garbage. Oh man, that was fun. Those those were just bad games too, but I just don't I don't know, man. I, I just don't just give me Fallen Order 2. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, not only that, but I just wish EA would say, okay, we're gonna hire Factor Five. Hey, give us another Rogue Squadron. Because there know? there is like Star Wars like strategy games and there's Star Wars MMOs and there's just you know everything. It's mobile though, right? Yeah, I mean it's mobile, but um that the strategy game is the mmo isn't but the strategy game is mobile but um i don't know it's it's a hard question because what, what do you want to see star wars mixed with i just want good star wars at this point yeah you know that, that's kind of where i'm at i don't i don't want to see anything else until we get like solid star wars i mean i would have said something not that we'd never had seen it before but something like um force unleashed but i, I mean from what it sounds like it or fallen order is pretty close to that so yeah it is oh man that was such an amazing experience i will say though i'm surprised we haven't gotten like a starcraft type competitive star wars strategy game 
Yeah, with the ships and stuff in that game and all mm-hmm. the vehicles. And yeah, oh, yeah, that would be pretty cool, actually. Because you have all kinds of different classes of of ships that do all kinds of different things, you know? Yep. So, yeah, that's that's a good one. But I'd like yeah. to see it kind of return back into like a single-player shooter type thing again. I think that could be interesting. I mean, every year I would joke that when we would do our, you know, we're going to make our – uh, predictions for E3, I would say that um, Republic Commando 2 would be announced. But I mean, deep down, I know that probably will never happen. Yeah. But I would love for a new Republic Commando, but make it squad base, like actually four, you know, four yeah. versus, um, you know, the uh, the AI. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, for the most part, I feel like Star Wars has kind of touched everything, but. Um... I, I'm very curious to see how Squadrons turns out and what they do following. Buy an Oculus for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. I know we're all kind of tired. So uh, don't forget, you can find Frameskip on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and various other third-party Apple Podcasts kind of catcher applications. So. Um, just search us on there. If I'm assuming you're already listening to us, but you can find us on another platform if you want to. So uh, if you're on a platform where you can leave a review, please do so. It really helps out the show. Um, you can also leave us a review on Facebook, actually. So do that if you want to. Uh, speaking of Facebook, you can find us there at facebook.com slash frameskippod. You can find us on Twitter at frameskippod. You can write in questions to us at frameskippodcast at gmail.com. You can find us individually on Twitter. Seth is at Seth S. Taylor. Coach deleted his Twitter, so you can't find him. Elijah is at Loco Lizard Man. I am at Austin J. Eller. I think that's it for this week. So we will see you next week. Bye. Later, guys. Peace.